I have a lot of people that always ask me why we feed kids. Why don't we feed adults? You know, children don't ask to be brought into the poverty that they're in. It's just a, it's a, it's it's the nature of what they were born into, and um, and so if we can make a difference in a child's life um, physically. Um, we realize that they, they can make an impact in their lives for not only for eternity, but for a better life for their kids when they get older. Hi, my name is Chuck Ward. I'm uh, director of Central America for Manor Worldwide. Your church contacted me um, almost seven years ago and wanted to have a part in the ministry of Manor Worldwide. And so I, I know since almost day one that the church has been supporting and we couldn't do what we're doing here in, uh, at the orphanage here in San Cristobal um, without faithful supporting churches like Rock Harbor. things we want to do is do a, two vacation Bible schools uh, in two of our areas um, that are very, very poor, one in San Lucas and then another one in El Dorado, uh, being able to do crafts and all kinds of different things and play games and share the love of Jesus Christ with a bunch of kids. At the orphanage here in Guatemala City, I've been laying blocks and um, doing concrete, mixing concrete by hand. They've been able to experience some things that you can only experience in a, in a third world country, and they've done a, an unbelievable job here. We're going to go down to our orphanage and do a, a Thanksgiving meal. It's one of the things that the kids have been talking about for the last couple of years since our last one that Rock Harbor has done. And so we're about to go down there, and we've got five turkeys and so much food and I think 15 pies, and we're going to go down there and just have a, a tremendous time with the orphans that your church supports there. PJ Hernandez and his wife Morgan are just very special people to us and they support, they actually uh, pastor the church that Rock Harbor supports and do the feeding center there. But um, PJ was actually uh, an orphan. He grew up in an orphanage. And so PJ came to know Christ in that orphanage. And it, through a long process, he was able to go to the States. He was educated and then came back here uh, as a missionary from the United States. We were praying for somebody um, and God just brought PJ to us and he's been such a blessing. He and Morgan have been such a blessing to our ministry and we could not do it without uh, them. Thank you, Rock Harbor. It has been a blessing for me, man, especially for me and my family. I have had a chance to know you, to you pastors, and, and you know, you have no idea how much you have impacted our country, our town, and my family. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. God bless you all.
know, not one time, not one month have we not seen the support come in from Rock Harbor. Um, and what's so cool is this week you've, you've, you've done beyond that. This week you've sent money to do special projects here. Um, you've ministered to children in San Lucas for a Christmas uh, gift. Uh, you've done so much uh, for the ministry of Manor Worldwide. And I, on behalf of Manor Worldwide, we just want to say a very special thank you um, for all you've done and looking forward to partnering with uh, you guys for a long time, many, many years ahead. Yes, it's awesome to see such an incredible ministry that we get the privilege of of being part of. We love manna. We love planting churches, meeting a a physical need with the goal of seeing a life changed for eternity is is what it's all about. And so our desire to plant churches, it's the vision that we have, this whole goodwill towards all men, towards all that people would know the message of Jesus. Not, hey, we want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. We want to wish you well, but rather to say, hey, we want the, the goodwill of Christ to be alive and to be communicated. And you could look at Rock Harbor and say, hey, are we content with what God has done over the last six years? And I would say, content with the work of the Lord, but very like a holy discontent that we haven't arrived yet. I believe our greatest days are ahead of us as a church. I mean, we've had some really great days. We've had some amazing things that God has come in and and done, and we've seen services multiply, and starting with one, and now even today, six going on today here, and then also at the Hub. We love how God has multiplied ministry, but I'm looking at it going, man, I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up, just like Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians uh, 9-2. He said that there was a readiness and a zeal and an excitement They were stirred up, and most of them were stirred up. didn't say all. It says most of them. This excitement that, that comes in, that word stirred up, when you look at the Greek, it's from a word erytheosin, which means to awaken, to provoke, to irritate. It defines it as even irritate. It's like getting woken up from your sleep in a bad way. How many of you guys like that? Like no one ever. <laughs> but if we find ourselves getting content or getting too comfortable, it's to waken one another up. It's to encourage. It's to stir up one another towards the work of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul's calling it out in that way because there's a sacrifice that needs to be made. And that's why he's telling them to, to be stirred up for generosity and for sacrifice. And we'll get to some verses a little bit later um, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to turn to Luke 2, we're going to be talking about this goodwill toward all men. That's not just a Christmas carol, that's actually scripture. And so if you want to turn there in your phones or if you have your programs with you, we have some things there. Uh, the word sacrifice that, that Paul is talking about, you know, it's a word that can be kind of misunderstood in our day and age. And how, how it's defined in the dictionary is it's an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Saying, hey, this is more important to me, so I'm going to make a sacrifice of something over here that's good for something that would be better. And it's making that a priority. It's to surrender, to forego, to relinquish, resign, or to open one's hands. I want to give to the Lord something that cost me something. You know, Paul, or uh, David was saying in the Old Testament, he was sharing and just talking about building the temple. He said, I don't want to give something to my Lord that cost me nothing. Mary, when she poured out the perfume, this expensive one-year salary perfume that she had, she put it on the Savior's feet of all places. And the Savior, I mean, Jesus, like, you know, 
was also washing other people's feet, and she came and said, hey, I want to give this as a gift of fragrance. It cost me something, and it's a gift for you. Well, the greatest gift we've been given is that of Jesus Christ. And in Luke 2, the angels come and they're sharing this message that there's this Christ child that is coming to this group of shepherds and they're supposed to proclaim this. So in in Luke um, 2.10, it says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And, And this good news of great joy is for all the people. So we need to know, like, you know, in order for goodwill to be given... To all men, there has to be a sacrifice made by one. For goodwill to be given to all, there's a sacrifice made by one. And so when it's saying this good news is coming for all, it's coming by way of God giving his only son for us. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. See, what I see here is a statement or is it a question? See, every one of us in this room, we're either making a statement or we're, make, we're asking a question. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you're asking a question. You're saying, who is Christ the Lord? If you're making a statement, meaning you have surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, you're saying, a Savior who's Christ the Lord. It's a proclamation of, hey, I've surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. There is a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Or... May we believe that God is creator. May we believe that that Jesus came. But maybe we've never trusted him as our Lord and Savior. We may be saying, who is Christ the Lord? It's either a statement or it's a question. Verse number 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Swaddling clothes, you know, where you wrap up a baby back in those days. Our modern day swaddling clothes, you know, you see it almost every hospital picture. It's where you wrap those darn little burritos up so tight that they're, they're comfortable. We're uncomfortable because they're like, is that okay? And that's exactly how they, they like it. This was our twin boys 14 and almost 15 years ago. I don't know which one's which, um, but I like them. I like both of them. Um, I know what they, I know now, but then I, I could guess I have 50-50 shot. Um, their mom knows, and I'm happy for her. Um, but, but you know, I, wrapping these kids up and, and all of that. And I don't know how my wife pulled it off. We have seven kids but two pregnancies. It, like, we saved a lot of copay. Um, and adoption's good. Verse 13. Um, and suddenly there was, with an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom... He is pleased. Another version says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward all men. And that's where we get that statement, goodwill towards all. See, there's a gift that's been given. See, you know, goodwill towards all men or wishing goodwill towards all men. Jesus, you know, didn't come to this earth to like, hey, I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you well in your life. No, it says he'll be pleased in us when we receive this gift. You know why we need a gift? Because there's an expensive cost to sin. See, this is a hard truth, but it's very good news. There's an expensive cost of sin, but there's a free gift of Jesus. Our sin has an expense and a price. There's a cost to it. But there's been this gift that's been given to us. Paul says it this way in Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Sin entered the world by one man. 
Adam sinned. Eve sinned. You know what? Each of us have sinned. So there's a sin that separates us from God. But there's been this free gift. God gave his only son for us. You know, when this message was being communicated and they were talking about this Savior that was going to come, this gift that was going to be given, an inexpressible gift. There was a man that didn't like that. There was, you know, there were some people that hated Jesus. There was a man by the name of Herod, King Herod, that he wanted to snuff out the Savior. So he went and created, I mean, genocide took place. He issued a decree that all babies under the age of two would be killed. Why? Because he wanted to snuff out a savior. He didn't want to lose his rule and reign to some other king of kings that was being promised. This promised Messiah. It was like, no, no, I don't want to lose my position, my status. I don't want the Jews to have any kind of authority. Let's snuff all hope out of it. There were some people that hated Jesus, but there was also some people that loved Jesus. You know, the people that were unlike Jesus liked Jesus. The ones that were unlike Jesus. I didn't say the religious ones. You know, because the religious people, they didn't really actually like Jesus. Because they had the rules and regulations and the things that they would do that made them feel better about themselves. They could control and they could leverage their life around religion. And Jesus came in and said, I want your heart. I want all of you. I don't just want your work and the works that you would do. That's more for you and for your glory and how people would view you. I want your entire heart. I want every bit of you. You know, Jesus loves. Jesus lived and died for everyone. It's for all the people. God says it this way when he's talking about rescuing each of us. For the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count as slowness. But God is patient towards you. God's patient towards you. Who would say, you've got to have a lot of patience to even sit by the person next to me? Okay, don't raise your hands, okay? (laughs) But patience is something that's very needed at this season in our life. Like yesterday, I drove in a parking lot. It was a really bad idea. Like people are driving like crazy people. They act like they're in a hurry or something, right? But we have to have an extra dose of patience. It says that God is patient towards us even in our sin. He's patient towards us, not wishing that any one of us would perish, but that all should reach repentance, Repentance, that expensive cost of sin, but then this free gift given to us in Jesus. Luke, Luke 2.15 goes on to share about this message given to the shepherds. These angels, they then went away uh, from them to heaven, but the shepherds said to one another, and here's where you can hear the mission that they're on. They say it this way, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. Do you see the, hear these key words? Let's go. Let's make this thing happen. That the Lord has made known to us. God has given us a message. We have information. We have to share this information. And they went really slow. No, they went with haste. They drove like you at the mall. Okay? They went with haste. What did they do? They found Mary. They found Joseph. They found a baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, They made known, they spoke, they proclaimed, they evangelized, they were an ambassador for God through the message of the angels. They they shared this message to whom? They shared this message to all whom, and this information that concerned the child, and all who heard it wondered. It caused a sense of wonder. 
This is peculiar. This is unique. The message of the cross gets people's attention. The message of Jesus gets their attention. This Christ child that had come got their attention. Uh, and, uh, but verse 19, but Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. She had them. She stored them up. She was excited about what she had heard. The shepherds returned, and what did they do? They glorified, they praised God for all that they had heard and what they had seen as it had been told to them. They were forgotten, they were now brought in, and now they're proclaiming this special message. These were the first converts. These were the first evangelists. These were the first ambassadors. These were pre-disciples, and they were filled with this joy of this salvation that had come, this gift that had been given. See, for goodwill to be shared with all, there was a sacrifice made by one. His name's Jesus. But for goodwill to be shared by all, there's also a sacrifice to be made by all. See, Jesus fulfilled his mission. Now the shepherds, whom we identify with, we were forgotten, but we've been brought in. We were given something we didn't deserve. The least likely were chosen and set apart for God's work. We find ourselves in this story, and we have a sacrifice to be made by all of us. See, sacrifice doesn't make sense. Sacrifice does not make sense. Here's why. Let me tell you. For some of you, you set aside time each week so you could be here during a service. For some of you, you got here a little bit early. I see some Arkids and some Rock Harbor shirts in here. For some of you, I see lanyards hanging out of your purse and, and all that kind of thing. Like you make a sacrifice so that you can be here. You come early and you serve people or you stay late and you serve people. Some of you, you're setting aside time coming to certain services to create room for those middle school parents that really need that 930 service. For some of you that are watching from the hub right now, you said, hey, I'm going to free up seats. I'm going to attend another venue so we can make room for people to hear the message of Jesus. Jesus Christ. When you're telling your friends, you're talking to them, yeah, I kinda, it's kind of weird. I go to two services. Why do you go to two? Well, I kind of serve at one and I do this. And, and, and you have a group. Yeah, we go to a community group on Tuesday night. So you go three times. So you're at three different things. It's, yeah, and then our kids like have an activity on Friday night for Slingshot and we kind of do that. Like it doesn't make sense. And they're like, how much does it cost you to be part of this group? Yeah, I actually give my finances. Well, how much is that exactly? Like I want to understand what sacrifice looks like. It doesn't make sense. And the gifts that are given, whether it be time, whether it be resources, whether it be money or talent, it's one out of a joyful overflow of a heart. It's not under compulsion. It's not something like, I have to do this. See, sacrifice is what religion couldn't do. Sacrifice was what religion couldn't do because it was simply meeting a list of requirements. But when you give all, when Jesus came, when God gave all that he had in his only son, that's the greatest gift. Paul says it this way. It's going to look like you're out of your mind, 2 Corinthians 5. It's, it's going to look like you're not in your right mind. It's going to look like you're beside yourself. For the love of Christ controls you. Sacrifice is when you're controlled by something that doesn't make sense to other people. It doesn't make sense in a budget. It doesn't make sense in a family calendar. It doesn't make sense in planning out your Sunday. It doesn't make sense for when your team is playing, you know, but you make that sacrifice and you do whatever it takes. See that one has died for all, therefore all have died. For he died for all, that those who might live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who for the sake died and was raised. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal for us. 
We're ambassadors. We're evangelists. We're to represent. We have a responsibility. We have a calling. The shepherds were given a mission. They were given this word that they were to share with other people. We are on a mission. We have been given this word. We've been given the word of Jesus Christ alive in us. For what? A Savior who is Savior and King of the world. The Christ child has come. We have this message that he died and he rose from the dead. So we have a responsibility to share that. We have to fulfill this calling. That's why we would make a senseless sacrifice. Whatever it is that you would want to use in me, I want to fulfill my calling, God. I want to make sacrifice for my church family to say, hey, I want to radically serve. I want to radically give. I want to bless those around me. You know, I think about my life and I think how community has radically changed my life. I don't know how to raise teenagers. I was a youth pastor. I told people how to parent teenagers for 12 years. I didn't have a clue I've been parenting teenagers for about four years now. I know less now than I knew before. But I need community. Because at least their small group leaders can tell them apart. You know? <laughs> like, hey, that's Jake. That's Brady. Hey, awesome. Congratulations. Take them to Pojos. You know, there's 20 bucks. And so, but getting to see how community forms. We have a responsibility to one another so we can encourage one another. The gifts that we've been given. We have a responsibility to our community. You know God hasn't placed you here by accident. God has not placed you here by accident. And so this perfect purpose that he has in you, alive in you, and believe it or not, most of our community doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let's just talk basic statistical, you know what I'm talking about, numbers. If you look at churches that teach the message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, he died on the cross for our sins, he was the Son of God, he lived perfectly, he rose from the dead for us to have life. And God, the Father, sent God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit can be alive in us. That's the message of Jesus Christ. Not works at all, but if you take those facts and the churches that are preaching, teaching, living out those facts, barely 10% of our community has a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would say, whoa, 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 whoa. A lot more people go to church than that. I didn't say works-based salvation. Salvation by grace salvation through faith it's only by the faith that we have in him and the grace it's not by works of righteousness that we've done but according to his mercy he saved us so we can't brag about it we can't say we acquired when we hear those numbers and go 90 percent of our community doesn't have a relationship with jesus christ we're not done we have a lot of mission to accomplish to multiply we want to plant 100 churches in our valley as we see our community continue to grow God is bringing people to this valley, not for a better way of living. I believe so he can hear that people can hear the message of Jesus live through his church. That's what I believe. Is this a safe place for people to come? Yeah. Do we have some really nice parks and a green belt? Yeah, praise God. But guess what? It's not about all of those things. Do you have four seasons? Yeah, and some of you hate two of them. Get over it, right? <laughs> some of you are like, we have four seasons, and you're like, and I hate two of them. You know, let's be honest. You get six weeks of... Maybe four weeks of spring and four weeks of fall. You're happy for four weeks, some of you. But here's the truth. You've been given the message of Christ. So when someone comes in and they're looking for relationships, we need to be the first ones to bring this message of hope to them. You know, Haggai had a calling. 
God set him apart to communicate to the people, let's build the temple of God. You know, they had started to build the temple of God, and then it sat dormant for 14 years, nothing being worked on. Then they started up for a month, and then it kind of fell apart again. And God gave him a calling to, hey, let's do this. He could have walked away from it, but he stood strong. He proclaimed just like the shepherds. He orated. He let them know. He could have denied it. He could have said, you know, maybe somebody else is going to do it. And I will say this. God has called some of us, many of us in this room to make Rock Harbor Church our home. And Rock Harbor Church is not just a place that we gather It's a place that we pour our life into because it's the gospel lived out through community. And now it's our time to answer this calling. So when we talk about a facility and why do we need to build a facility and yeah, the shepherds had this perfect and specific word from God and then we're called upon to to answer and to continue to proclaim this message of Jesus Christ, what would a facility do? Well, there's a lot of things it would do and it's more than just gather people. But I'll tell you this, it allows us to have tripled the attendance that we have currently right now at Rock Harbor on the weekend. That's what it allows. I know that sounds absolutely crazy. The goal is not for us to be a large church. The goal is for us to reach people. We have to create seats. We look around each of our service and we go, well, there's a few seats. There's barely a few seats. There's a few seats at 815, like a few hundred. You got to try it. It's a very godly service. We can laugh in this room and the hubbers that are sitting over there. I'm like, hey, you guys don't even wake up till like 9 o'clock and go to church at 9.45. Those people that love God, they're 8.15 here at Rocky. Um, <laughs> we're actually thankful for everybody because I know that there's a sacrifice being made because we're creating space for people. We haven't settled in. There's not a contentment. There's a holy discontentment about the greater days that are ahead for us, satisfied in Christ, but also alive in him. I just have a question for each of us, whether you're here or you're over at the hub. How many of you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ since you came to Rock Harbor Church? How many of you have maybe been baptized since you came to Rock Harbor? Or you have a family member that has surrendered their heart to Jesus Christ or been baptized? Would you raise your hand if you've you've been baptized, surrendered your life to Christ sometime since you've come to church here? Quite a few hands up, almost like I'll clap, okay? I have my hand up, but I need to clap. That's a really big deal, and here's why. It's individual lives. And some of you, you raised your hand, there's been people praying for you for a really long time. And some of you, you raised your hand and you had given up on church. Sadly, you gave up on God because you got hurt by church. You got hurt by this idea of religion, but now you have a relationship with God. And I remember our first baptism that took place in a community pool. And I remember the last baptism that took place just a couple of weeks ago. And I specifically remember a couple of baptisms a few years ago when my son and my daughter got baptized. And other of my kids that gave their life to Jesus Christ because of the ministry of this church. Because people pouring into them and just loving them. I can't do it alone. We need one another. And there's some of you that sit here Your family's been changed because of community. And there are people in this community that are struggling in their home. And everything looks good on the outside, but inside that house is a mess. Inside that marriage is a mess. Inside those relationships are a mess. 
But you've loved them. You've called them out. You've invited them to a safe place, whether it be church or your home or your life, and said, I'm here for you. There are students all throughout our weekend, whether it's on Sunday night, Sunday morning, Friday night activity, whatever it would possibly be, that now have a safe place as they've struggled of a group of friends that when they're not feeling like they should even live anymore, they have someone they can talk to. They have mentors they can trust. We've got parents that have someone that can petition on behalf of their child. That's community. And it matters. So this really isn't about a building. It's about each one of us making a sacrifice to lift up one another, to lift up the message of Jesus Christ. And it's just the beginning, honestly. But each one of us have to make a sacrifice. It's not about equal amounts. It's about equal sacrifice. You know when the temple was built in the Old Testament? There's a family that came in and they gave gold. And they took that gold and they made something absolutely ornate. And worship took place because they gave sacrificially. Not out of their excess. They gave something that cost them something. But also at the same time the temple was built, you know someone brought in a goat? This family brought all that they had. They brought in a goat. And one gave goat and one gave gold, but it was all a sacrifice. And they took that goat and they honored the Lord with it. They worshiped the Lord in giving that. And the hair was taken off the goat and they would wrap certain pieces of wood, certain pieces of metal that would form and fashion something that worship could take place. And it was all an offering. For some of us in this room and watching online or over at the hub, God has blessed you with much. And much is required of you. For some of us, God has blessed us. And we don't give so that we can get. We don't give so we can be blessed. We give as an act of worship. So when we give, we're not giving to even really a church. We're not giving to the name of a person or the name of a church. We're giving to the Lord. It's an offering that we bring to him. And here's the key. It's about 100% of us doing 100% of what God lays upon our heart and then doing so with joy. You know, there's, it's an only God story that we're witnessing here at Rock Harbor. Only God can do what he's done. 